Chapter 9 Rebels Awaiting McClellan's Army, Now Five Miles from Richmond St. Paul Journal When I stopped at the Larson's on the way back to Fort Snelling, it seemed that baby Eben had grown stronger. He cried lustily until the missus settled him to her breast. I averted my eyes, wondering where to look, but Lars and the missus acted as if it was nothing out of the ordinary, and I guessed they were right. It was the start we all had, and no shame in it. Ragna sidled up to the table and whispered something into her far's ear. He reached toward the sugar bowl, handed her a small lump of loaf sugar, and watched as she carefully dipped it into his coffee cup. When the coffee stained the sugar light brown, she popped it into her mouth, smiling at the coffee-flavored sweetness. Borgilda came for her treat as well, and I watched Lars repeat the process. It brought back a sharp memory of me doing the same with my far. I could almost taste the sweet flavor and smell the scent of his coat and beard. I fought down a quick surge of homesickness. The scene of such happiness left me unexpectedly hollow. Would I roam the wilderness trails forever, sleeping into homes of strangers, without a place to call home? I did not want to be another lonely bachelor, living in solitude and longing. I was ready for something of my own, someone to be my own. The commander at Fort Snelling decided to travel to Fort Abercrombie to inspect the fort readiness. He was waiting at my stage my next trip out. Gabriel, his servant, climbed up on the stage box with me. Hello, Gabriel, I said. Good morning, sir. His eyes were guarded as if he expected me to make him ride in the boot with the baggage. Just call me Evan. Hey, Evan. His entire body relaxed and his teeth glowed white. You can ride shotgun for me. His laugh was like molasses melting on hot cornbread. Throughout the trip, we had ample time to discuss the topics of the world. He was anxious to hear about my trip over the ocean, why I left Norway, if I had family still there. I would only be a burden to my brother and his family if I stayed. Do you write to them? Yeah, but I'm not much of a writer. The morning doves cooed their sweet music and pink roses bloomed along the trail. The earthy smell of damp earth and growing things surrounded us. Do you write your family? A look of such grief crossed his face that I at once regretted my question. Surely more had taught me better than to get too personal with strangers. Slaves can't get mail, he said. My mother might still be in Georgia, but by now my brothers are dead or sold down river. They're dead to me, I guess. Gabriel told me how the system worked, how families were often sold apart. He told me of his great luck to be sold to a family whose daughter did not believe in slavery. When the master died, the daughter emancipated the slaves. She taught me to read and write and cipher, though it was against the law, he said. She found work for all of us, helped us get a new start in the North. She did right by us, every one. The trail became more difficult. Trees and branches blocked away. 
Gabriel and I jumped down and dragged the debris from last night's storm away from the road. It was good to move our muscles, to change the topic to something less personal. The rest of the day we talked only of the weather, the birds of Minnesota, and crops. At the way stations along the way, Gabriel ate his food outside and slept in the barn at night. I joined him, knowing I would feel foolish eating at a table with the commander or sleeping beside him at night. It wasn't as if folks were unkind to Gabriel. Mainly they ignored him. His presence was unexpected. Many had friends or relatives fighting to end slavery. Fighting a war is different than sitting at table with an ex-slave.